Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. All right. Mr. Ward, thank you for getting all that fixed. Sorry we're just a little behind here, but I just want to say Shabbat Shalom to all of you here and those online. Thanks for joining us and being part of our family. LivingMessiah.com is our website. You'll find the donate button there and the address as well if you prefer check. And we just want to thank you for all who support uh, this ministry here. We do so, so, so appreciate it. So um, let, me op- or let me get with the, the other part uh, first before we open in prayer. Uh, there's two mics. Remember, it, it's open. If you have a question or comment, just raise your hand. The mic will find its way to you. Let's stick on subject, and let's try to stick to the text that we're looking at here so we can all learn together. And make sure you keep the mic close to your mouth so it comes uh, through clear. And then the other part on it... Um, Make sure you, there might be others that would like to share something too, so try to make it as brief as possible. That would be awesome. So that brings us to the point of let's open in prayer. Father, Yahweh, great and mighty you are, there is none like you, Yahweh. Father, we come here today to, uh, to understand your words, to grow closer to you, to be empowered by your spirit. Father, and ultimately to give thanks to you in the grace and the mercy we find in your son, Yahshua, who's bringing us not only back to your house, back to your ways, and we just thank you for that, Father. You're so faithful when we so many times are not, and we just thank you. Amen. So as far as review, we're going to continue with uh, uh, Barnaba and and, uh, Shaul, or Saul, Apostle Paul, on the island of Cyprus, that's where we're at. So in what we, where we left off, Paul had some harsh words for a false prophet magician that they encountered while they were on that island. And that, what that did is that opened an opportunity for us to speak about um, the subject of blindness in the text. Uh, and we started Isaiah 42, and I would like to finish Isaiah 42 where we left off, just to, just to finish it off, and then we'll continue on uh, with Barnaba, uh, Barnabas and um, Apostle uh, Paul, and hopefully we'll get off the island today, so to speak, you know? So I know we've been on the island for a while, but I hopefully it's been enlightening and you've... And, and the Father speaks to you and opens up new things to you. So remember the key thing to understand is here in Isaiah, we're we're finishing up uh, Isaiah 42, is it's it's about the Son, it's about the Messiah, but it's so easy to, oh, that's about the Messiah, and and somehow that doesn't matter to us because we're not those people, you know, at that time. But let's keep in mind it is about a Son, which would be Messiah, and it's about a son collectively as Israel's being called. And if you're called out, the, uh, 
our Elohim calls his people only by one name, and that is Israel. So however you want to work your theologies and your ideas, you're an Israelite called out by the Most High through the blood of his son, Yahshua. So, so let's keep that in mind as we, we finish looking into Isaiah here. And thanks, guys, for the thumbs up as well, too. So we're going to, uh, Isaiah 42, 16 is where we're going to pick up. And I shall lead the blind by the way they have not known. In paths they have not known, I lead them. I make darkness light before them, the crooked places straight. These matters I shall do for them, and I shall not forsake them. Those who trust in idols, who say to the molten images, you are our mighty ones, you are our gods, shall be turned back utterly ashamed. Hear, you deaf, and look, you blind, and see. Who is blind? But my servant, or deaf, as my messenger, whom I send? Who is blind as he who is at peace, and blind as a servant of Yahuwah? You see much, but you do not observe ears are open, but you do not hear. Remember what I said? Okay, does that sound like Yahshua? A blind servant walking around? Sounds more like his people, and that's the context in some of this. Now, like I said before, it's easy. Well, that's not me. That's those people. But I would like to present that we all have a lot of blindness as well, okay? So it is about the blindness of the people here. Um, for instance, what's behind an idol? Okay, none of us, you know, I know none of us bow down to a molten image of blah, 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 or whatever. But <laughs> what's behind an idol? It's a worship idea that's behind it. It's a mindset. And a lot of times there's holidays. And, but I think even the bigger one is the key one, is that mindset and theologies or the way that idol speaks to you on how to, um, how to behave. And you're saying, well, it doesn't speak. No, it doesn't. But behind that idol is these ideas and theologies. And if you're following those foreign ideas and theologies, ultimately you're paying tribute to the idol and you may not even be bending your knee, but ultimately that's what you're doing. So we have to be on guard about that in our lives. So, hear you deaf and look you blind and see. I'm pretty sure that's like here. We know for, for, with us in our studies, we say that all the time. We say, hear what? Hear, O Israel, hear and do. Shema, Israel. Shema, you deaf, and look, you blind and see. Who is blind again? It's his servant. That's us. We can't get around that. He's talking to his people, and it's talking to each and every one of us. Okay? Who is blind but my servant? Deaf as my messenger, whom I send. I've sent you to be a light, but 
You're blind. And I don't mean this to come down on us that hard, but it is what he's saying. We have to be aware of how he's addressing his people. So we have to be aware of these things. So ultimately, I asked, what would you make of that statement then? A blind servant? Is it a positive thing? Or is it a negative thing here? I know I don't want to be stupid, blind, or not be able to see. Being blind is something that any of us want to do. We all want to know the truth. And we all don't want to be lied to or fibbed to or deceived in any way. Because that can be, a, again, a blindness. Do you have your hand up? Sorry, I wasn't sure if you're just in pondering my great thoughts I'm sharing or just... <laughs> I come in, I don't even know what you're talking about, but blind is an idiom for being outside the door. No, I think that's, that's great. That brings back what we... I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, so this blindness is directly connected to the Torah, the commandments, his instructions on how to live, because ultimately that's what it's all about. You know, how to walk this out, how to be a light, how to be the commandments of the Most High, so you are, in a sense, a light to others who see that or choose to come out of the darkness or the blindness where they may be. But it's interesting. It goes on. Who is blind as he who is at peace and blind as the servant of Yahuwah and the most deaf among you like my messenger whom I sent the prophesied prophecies. It's interesting how the rabbis take this a little bit further. You know, because with all the prophets, we talked about the prophets. Man, you, you know, the rabbinic writings are really harsh here. He who is blind is as the one who received his payment. He who was blind among you already received his chastisements, and he is the one who was, uh, who was paid all payments due him and has emerged cleansed. Like, what's that talking about? This is one of the key things. This is about his people collectively. Okay, where was the beginning of the nation where he called Israel my firstborn, my child? And from there, to, to come to the mountain, to receive instructions on righteous life. So, and I think a lot of times with us, we forget that whole big picture. Because we forget about the, the history, how he operated with his people coming out of Egypt, you know, giving the blood of the lamb and then giving of the commandments and instructions and then those 40 years. And we'll see how Paul even speaks about that. So we have to think about it in a, in a bigger context at the same time because all Scripture is based... It's all based on each other. It's all layered on top of one principle or another, and I think we get so far removed that we forget these types of pictures are very important because if we call ourselves what we call ourselves, a follower 
follower of Messiah who followed his father, you know. So that puts us right back there. In some sense, we have to understand those pictures. I will lead the blind, basically it's saying here. I will lead the blind. I will lead who? Israel? Yes. And, and I will uh, lead in a good way, right? What was the major complaint the whole time in Egypt? Oh, you brought us out of here to kill us. No, he brought, you out. He brought us out for life, right? That was their whole thing because they wanted to go back. How many of you still? Oh, wow. Ah, right? But Israel, I will lead them in a good way upon which they did not know how to walk. He was calling them out. So I would suggest all of us are learning how to walk this out. And maybe for us specifically with the Messianic, the Hebrew Roots movement, and whatever it might be, want to call it we we don't know much about the torah and these instructions so he's renewing that with us and he's teaching us so let's get not too prideful going out and telling someone else how they should be doing it you know so we have to be on guard about that as it goes on you see much but you do not observe you see it but you really don't see it guys that's what he's saying. You hear, and you do not return to my law, is what it's saying. You hear, you perceive it. You've, it's quite clear in the text, but you don't really, should I say, in some ways, you don't really get the message of my son. Because you're not really returning back to my laws and my ways. And there comes play the idols with theologies and ideas that are maybe foreign which the scriptures are not saying that are not his ways but might seem good there was that issue at mount sinai remember with the golden calf just i was just there right but all these stories again are for us and by no means and i'm saying this can and any way of condemning, it's more like, wow, these are things I always have to go through in myself, and I'm asking you to do the same. Am I in the right? Am I doing what he's asking? Am I striving to do the best I can as what I do know? In the humility as well. So there is much. There are many signs before you, and you do not observe to look at my deeds and return to me. And that's the one thing I got to tell you. It's like, I didn't see it at first, but now I'm like, how can you not see that we have to return to him? That's what the word means, repent, teshuva, turn back to where you actually came from. Well, in some ways, we we're born again, right? Okay? And that's, okay, there's various ways you can look at that. But if it's in the context of a nation, where was the nation, in a sense, born? Out of Egypt, by the blood of the Lamb. You've got to return where you were. Remember where you were. You were in Egypt, and I rescued you. And you complained the whole time. Right? So we need to learn by those mistakes. 
to open the ears. I am busy opening ears through my prophets. You look at the prophets. What are they saying on the constant, constantly? Return back, return, return, return. All the way up to John the Baptist and Yahshua himself, the Messiah. I'm busy opening your ears through my prophets, but none of you are listeners of my word. And when I looked at some of the rabbinic, this is present tense. So that means, okay, it was present tense there, and it's still present tense, let's say. Okay? Messiah obviously is drawing us back to the Father's law, and we are to follow in his footsteps. That would be leading the people too. That's exactly what he was doing. It has delighted Yahweh for the sake of his righteousness to make the Torah, the instructions, great in esteem, have weight. Esteem is kavod, I believe you hear. To have weight in your life, to be weighty. But this is a people robbed and plundered. All of them are snared in holes and they are hidden in prison houses. They have become a prey with no one to deliver or plunder and no one to say restore. Who among you gives ear to this, pays attention and hears for the time to, for the time to come? Who gave Jacob for plunder and Israel to the robbers? Was it not who? Was it the world that did that? No, it was Yahweh himself. He against whom we all have sinned. For they would not walk in his ways, and they did not obey his instructions, his Torah. And obviously we've been learning this hasn't changed. That's why we are trying to have a different walk and why we're celebrating the feast and the principles that have been established. So he poured out on him his burning displeasure, Jacob, his people. And it's interesting that he changed to Jacob instead of Israel. Because remember, Jacob, his name was to be changed to Israel, one who overcomes, strives, and overcomes with the mighty one, versus just Jacob. My personal theology, when you see Jacob, think of the worldly man, and then when Israel comes in, that's where you should be changing to a new man, a new person. So in some sense, it's kind of a... That's how I, I view it sometimes, because you'll see where it's Israel, and then it's Jacob, but then all of a sudden he's using Jacob again. And that's my own personal reasoning, okay? Where you could say, oh, a believer, oh, backslider. A follower, backslider. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Possible. So he has poured out his burning displeasure and the strength of battle and it is set on him on fire all around. Yet he did not understand and he burned against him. Yet he did not take it to heart. And honest guys, yeah. Yeah. 
right? Following Messiah. Okay? So, and we're all part of that. But it's interesting, 21, it was a delight for Yahuwah for the sake of His righteousness. What delights our Father? Read the rest of it. What makes our Father delighted? To make the Torah great and it has weight in your life, kavod, weighty in your life. That makes our Father delight. Just as much as to delight in the Shabbat. I think that's great. And I'm, I'm sure you guys hold that, have heard that old saying, Remember, yeah, Messiah says, you've heard it said. Well, you've heard that old saying, the way the church goes is the way the nation goes. The way the assembly of the mighty ones who believe in the God of Israel, however they go, those around him will go, they go the same way. And I think that's uh, very true. But there's, ultimately, he knows how to redeem his people or holding on to him, okay? When I read this part here, Israel was robbed. They're plundered. When I did my first Passover, and this is no joke, guys, I did my first Passover, you know, because it was kind of new to me, all that. I'm like, I was seeing these things. I went to my first Passover, and after it was over, the Father's my witness. I said, my Christian brothers and sisters are being robbed. They're being robbed. That was the first thing. And then when I read this in Isaiah again, I'm like, bam, that came right back to me. Yes, these feasts, these things that he set down. And I think it's so important. And I, again, we're striving to do it the best way that we understand it, and we'll, Father will continue to help us in that area as well. Another thing, this is the people after the Exodus story. Isaiah is speaking to those who came out by the blood of the Lamb. Yes, there was that generation that did fall, but then there was that other generation that did enter. And what brought to my mind was that it's at the foot of the mountain, that generation that ended up dying, right? They said, all that Yahuwah says we will do, right? Right? Yeah. And then Joshua, Yahshua, he took him into the promised land. And what did he say? I think it's related. As for me and my house. That's like, <laughs> that's like saying, yeah, everything that you said, and as for me and my house, as they journeyed over the Jordan. I think I was like, wow, those two phrases go together. Hmm, I just think they do. So, that is a little bit looking into Isaiah about blindness. So, as we continue here, dun, 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 right there, Indiana Jones as we traveling. So, Paul... And Barnabas, they pass through a herd, and they come to Antioch and Peseda, and went into the congregation on the Shabbat day and sat down. Okay, now that I've got you to the mainland, there's a lot 
in this verse 14 here. They sat down in the congregation on Shabbat day. First, we have to define what was that congregation I've been telling you. I think it's very important. It was a synagogue. So it was a Jewish congregation. It wasn't a new Gentile church here, right? He went to a synagogue. So Paul and Barnabas are proclaiming good news. They went to the local synagogues is where they went. And naturally, they never went to a church because churches don't exist at this point. Okay? That's where they were going. And a little bit again about uh, the Jews in the diaspora. They were generally, generally, we'll find now, Hellenistic. That meaning they, uh, most likely, a lot of them were Greek speakers, and they lived a Greek lifestyle. Okay? So we can relate. All right? They lived a Greek lifestyle. And what's so interesting, some of the things I looked in, this Greek society loved to hear and debate ideas. Wow. We got a little bit of Greek in us, don't we? Could we do that, right? And there, they, in, at this, in these societies, they wasn't shy about allowing various speakers into their synagogues, okay? So this gave way to Paul and Barnabas being usually welcomed, okay? And, you know, they were usually welcomed in the beginning, and later on, as we see, they, <laughs> they were chased out of town, exactly. So, but here's something else that I think is in, too important, and we'll see this. Not all traditions are bad, and I know looking at the Pharisees with their traditions and stuff like that, that's a lot of red flags, obviously, and Messiah addressed some of those, but not all of them, because they were all, not all bad, okay? But this is a perfect example. The, traditional, the tradition of that day, okay, was to gather for Shabbat and have a communal gathering and worship. And then they would get to eat, gather and eat, too. So they would get together on a Shabbat as a community. So there's nothing wrong with traditions. It's really understanding them. And it was common for visitors and traveling prophets that would come to the synagogues that would teach and speak. And that's how Messiah did the same thing. He, wasn't, he didn't have his main synagogue. It seemed like he did travel to various places. So Barnabas and Saul, they went to synagogues, and the first Gentiles that they approached and heard the good news, they were already God-fearers. I think that is very, very important. And so far, that's all we have seen. Any of the Gentiles or those who are not Jews that were from other nations were already God-fearing, believing, walking in that faith. And I don't know about you, but that kind of changes a lot of ideas that seem to be presented to me at this, in my walk getting to this point. Because a lot of times it sounds like, oh, Paul and Barnabas, yes, they were to go to the nations, but it sounded like, oh, they went out and were forming all these churches from non-believing people, just 
Well, that hasn't happened yet. Right now, the God-fearers who were not Jews already had a faith and some kind of walking out. So in the diaspora, there was overall less resistance to the idea as well with Gentiles in the synagogues versus the Jews in the synagogues that were close into Jerusalem. There was a difference between the, the two. Jerusalem, much stricter because you had the Pharisees and the Sadducees and these sects and the priests. You know, you had more political power grabbing going on versus then, you know, out in the country. Things are normally a little bit more relaxed in the country. We know that in our own nation. You go into the city, whoa, let's get to the country. We can, more acceptable, uh, you know, more. I don't want to use that word, but yeah, I'm more tolerant to people and what they do. But that doesn't—I don't mean it in that sense. But things are a little bit easier going there in the country versus the city. The biggest city I've lived in is Pittsburgh, and yeah, there's a big contrast between that and then when I went home to a smaller town or city, and then you know, getting really out <laughs> into some of these other smaller towns, things are more relaxed. So, okay, we're off the island. We're getting into the mainland now. And after the reading of the Torah and the prophets, the rulers of the congregation sent to them saying, men, brothers, if you have a word of encouragement for the people, please speak. And Saul, standing up and motioning with his hand, said, men, Israelites, and those who are fearing Elohim, listen. So my point, it is very clear who was being addressed here in this synagogue. It was Jews and those from foreign nations, Gentiles. But I think the better context is what we have here. Fearing Elohim. That's why they were there. Right? God-fearers. They were already part of the faith, like I said. This is important on so many levels, and I, you can run it through your head with maybe other ideas and theologies you'll come across and see what you come up with. But the, the first Gentiles Paul speaks to are already returning or have returned to the Father in his ways. Wow. They were already turning now, they may not have known about the Messiah or whatever, but they were returning to the Father's ways because His ways is the Torah. And that did come out of the synagogue. Okay? And like I said, I know there was influence as well in the synagogue with traditions of the elders and, and so forth. But the basics of it, they were already Bible believers, so to speak. <laughs> right? That would be a better term today. They are already Bible believers. But we must add, this was happening way before Barnabas and Saul arrived to the island and then into the mainland over in Turkey, where they're, they're, I think that's where they're at now. I think that is interesting. And Elohim, so this is, uh, I didn't skip anything, no. Paul's going to address them. And the Elohim of this people, Israel, 
did choose our fathers and exalt the people in their sojourning in the land of Egypt, their mismarine. And with a high arm, he brought them out of it. Now for a time, about 40 years, he sustained them in the wilderness. And having destroyed seven nations in the land of Cana, he gave their land to them as an inheritance. And after that, he gave judges for about 450 years until Samuel, Samuel the prophet. So Paul's got this opportunity to speak the good news, right? The word of Elohim, the good news. Well, most of these people, whatever he's talking about, they already quite know. But don't you think it's, let me put it this way. So Paul's message of salvation begins with Jesus followed by directly the peop, directing the people to read John 1 of the gospel. Was that what Paul did? No, he didn't. That is very, 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 very important to me. He didn't, first of all, the New Testament's not written, but why did he go here with the message it is of good news? Well, it was his crowd. I agree with that. But I also would also say, as we'll continue, that Paul would begin here for the most part with any foreigner that maybe did not know the God of Israel for a particular reason. But when they asked for a sovereign and Elohim gave them uh, Shaul, King Saul, the son of uh, uh, Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years, and having removed him, he raised up for them David as a sovereign, whom also he gave witness and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, right? Yes, Yeshi, uh, a man after my own heart, who shall do all my desires. From this one seed, according to the promise, Elohim raised up for Israel a Savior. Back to why I believe Paul went here and would always go here. And I think that's important why a lot of us, yes, I know we've come to know the Messiah through the Christian church. And I have no complaints about that. But as I begin to look... Paul didn't, like I said, didn't begin with the death and resurrection. He went back to the foundation of how all the promise is actually worth it and has substance to it about this Messiah. Now, that might not be for everybody, but I, th I think to me that's one of the downfalls with, within the Christian institution is People come to know Messiah. They read the first book of John, and, and you know, and that's all great. But they know nothing about what happened in the very beginning that actually makes their Messiah even more special than they ever could imagine, because they don't really have the foundations of the promises of the words of Elohim promising these things through generation to generation to generation, and so on. That's why I think the foundation is so important. And we're 
I got to tell you a story. Why I'm up here, right there, I'm going to yeah, I'm going to say it anyhow. Why we have an in-depth study. When Living Messiah first began, okay, we didn't have an in-depth study. We would get together. And we had a lot of people. But there were some people who were like, oh, and they're like, okay, yeah, you talk about Torah all the time. Uh, you know, and Mark, and he can testify to this, and Polly and my wife, and we're like, but we talked about Torah and the Messiah and the beauty of it. But all they heard was Torah. They didn't hear anything about the Messiah. And it was, it was odd. So we're like, okay. Then I guess we have to present it to the people that we're about the New Testament too, you know, and the old. Because for some reason, there's a huge disconnect between the two. So that's why we did the in-depth study, and we figured the in-depth study will make sure we'll focus on the New Testament types of things, and, and I think it worked well I, in that sense. But that's why this come about. How did I get off track? But that's because uh, this whole, <laughs> the whole idea about knowing the foundation is so important. We were excited to see the Messiah and proclaim Messiah from the very beginning here and she was showing the Father's laws, but somehow from here to there, they didn't get a connection. And I'm raising my hand. Yeah, a lot of times I didn't get the connection right off the bat either. Okay? So the Father, that's why we operate the way we do, and I think it's kind of cool. So we cover a lot of ground in the in-depth study, in our Tuesday night study as well. So that is very important. Going back to, it's, it's one to know you're the Messiah and come to know him and profess. But then I think it's another thing to really go back and begin to see the power. Why he had power to do and overcome death. It was because he held to all the things that was given to him at Mount Sinai. All the things his father said. So, and you might as well throw in the set-apart spirit was right along in the midst of all that from the very beginning as well, too. So we're going to leave him out of the picture here. All right? Just in case. So, foundation first. I think that's important why Paul is going there, even though he is talking to his own brothers, like we said. And maybe they need to hear that foundation again, oh, to make the connection, too. I know that helped me when I began to understand Messiah and the Torah and Shabbat and, oh, go back. Wow, okay, yes. And after John had first proclaimed the immersion of repentance to all the people of Israel before his coming, and as John was completing his mission, he said, Who do you suppose I am? I am not he, but see, there is one after me, the sandals of whom, whose feet I am not worthy to loosen. Men, brothers, sons of the race of Abraham, and those among you, again, fearing God, fearing Elohim, 
those who are not Jews, out of the nations. To you, the word of this deliverance has been sent. Wow. That's what makes Messiah important to me. For those dwelling in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not know him, nor even the voices of the prophets, which were read when? Every Shabbat. That tradition, the whole word of God needs to be read every Shabbat, not just the New Testament. And I'm sorry, it's popped in my head. If you're a New Testament church and that's all you focus on, then you do not know your Messiah. You do not know him. Not to the extent that he's asked you to know him. Let me put it that way. I don't want to say you're lost or anything. Well, you're blinded. Isaiah told us you're blinded. Let's just stick with the prophets. (laughs) Right? We can't go wrong if we stick with the words of the prophets. So, and which are every Shabbat? We have filled them in having uh, have filled them in having judged him, and having found not one cause of death, they asked Pilate that he should put them to death. Yes, there's so much cool stuff right here. So one of the things that jumps out to me is why he keeps emphasizing on those that fear the Lord in the sevenfold Holy Spirit. The first measure any believer receives is the fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Then you can be ministered to through the Spirit, through other prophets that are sent to you. So I just wanted to emphasize on that. That's why I, I keep I'm saying glad you, Thank you. I'm glad you did that. And that gives me a little bit of segue. If you get a calendar or if you have one already, the theme in that calendar is the fear of Yahweh. And the fear of Yahweh is to know that he has something for you to walk out and to be in obedience to. So thank you, brother. That fits in perfect with what we're looking at here. But it's interesting. Go ahead. Thank you. Sometimes I think when we, back then as Christians, would read the fear of God, it would put a fear in us, a scare in us to run away from the thing we should be running to. Exactly. And so sometimes I'm wondering if the word esteem would be another word. There's, and I know it's written in English and it's probably in Hebrew. I haven't studied that, but <clears throat> you know, the word fear. Well, if I hear that, I I have a tendency to run. So yeah, I, I would say maybe uh, I see what you're saying. Maybe an awe and a reverence in a sense that you obey and respect that who asked you to do something. It's a tricky word. And I appreciate where you said generation to generation because uh, to my soul, that is so important that we pay attention to our generations, not only the ones that have gone before us, but the ones who are coming after us. Because that's where we uh, appropriate fully the blessings of our Father. Yeah. And then, um, thank you, sister. What do you got, Mark? So I was just going to say, a, a couple of weeks ago, we touched on the fear of the Lord, what it meant, and it was associated with every, so I, I broke down everywhere it appeared in Scripture, and it's always in context referencing keeping the commands. 
So it was like this idiom that they would say, the fear of the Lord was walking in his way. So it was this, it wasn't meaning fear is like in scared. It was this term that they used to mean those who are walking in his path, his instructions, his Torah. And it was, it's amazing because I, I had often wondered that until you break it down and see it in all the context and it's real evident what they understood it to mean. Awesome, thank you. Something else I think is interesting. We, this is Paul speaking, right? He's talking about John the Baptist, right? Did, he, John, did Paul know about John the Baptist? This is puzzling. He may have known. This is where I'm like, this is the awesome places that I go for me, all right? Did he know of John the Baptist? Did he hear of him? But if he didn't, to know his mission intently would have been ultimately from Peter and those who followed him. You know? And of his dad, yeah. So it's interesting in that aspect. Where did he get these detailed information about John the Baptist? Then the other part is, did him speaking about this, did the audience here in Antioch, the other Antioch where they're at, did they know of John the Baptist? Because he sure is talking as if they knew who John was. Maybe John did make a big stir before Messiah and the word spread. Do you see what I'm saying? There's all kinds of things that we could think about in the text that's going on in the background that help expand our idea and make our world a little bit smaller in seeing that there was a lot politically and everything else that was going on. Like I said, they may have heard by this time. But this is awesome. To you, the word of this deliverance has been sent. Those are beautiful words. To you, to you, to you, to you, this message of deliverance has been sent. Ultimately comes back to knowing him and knowing the prophets and what they speak of. Because what is that word? This word. So it sounds like deliverance and the good news. And we'll have to stop here and we'll get to this next week. But this good news and this deliverance, was it always there? Was it something new? Or was it something hoped for? Father, Yahweh, great and mighty you are. There is none like you. Father, we thank you for your words. We thank you for your faithfulness to your people, willing to teach us and guide us and <coughs> take us out of the darkness, Father. Father, we thank you again for the awesome love and redemption we find in your son, Yahshua, our Messiah and a King, your very words that became flesh and delivered deliverance to us. We thank you. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone, and we'll get back in Acts 13. We're off the island, so woohoo!